Five, four, three, two, one. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Here we go. It's game time. Welcome to Sports and More, where almost anything goes. Coming to you from the marsh just outside of Edmonton, Alberta, here's your host, Dean Millard. It's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Nice to be in orbit. Well, Yarby now has confidence, and and here's the strange thing, Dean. Ken Holland won't just trade him for the sake of it. He'll say to Yessi, hey, no one wants to give me what I think you're worth. So if you want to be in the NHL, come to my team. That in itself is a compliment to him. Do you think that could happen? I think it's a small, I would say, like, in September, I thought zero chance. I would say in the summertime, because Pugliarvi's now a year older. Mm-hmm. He's more mature. And like all of us, time heals your we frustration a little bit. Back, and yeah. maybe he felt you know, unwanted. Dave Tippett comes over and he's like, oh, geez, now the team's competitive. We're like, hey, Yessi, this is you know how I see you. And and would look, if he was smart, and, and his agent, they would look and say, well, look at how players were used last mm-hmm. year. No one's pigeonholed. Right. If you're playing well, you're going to play. Right. If you're not playing well, you're going to go up or down. And, and that's how it works. And I, th- most guys want the, now if he thinks he has to be guaranteed top six minutes. Well, I don't know. Some team might lie to you, but then that's he'll right. get that on a bad team. And and a bad team will, will likely be willing to pay for him because he's only he's going to be 22. Most Finnish players, Dino, don't really make impacts in the league. Like mm-hmm. Patrick Line was a big outlier. <laughs> Hello there and welcome to Sports and More episode 34. Uh, my name is Dean Millard and on this show almost anything goes. Welcome. Thank you very much for downloading. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening depending on what time it is you're listening to this. I'm just glad you have chosen to download it. That was Jason Greger of TSN 1260 talking about the future of Yessi Pugliarvi, and uh, Gregor is our featured guest today. We're going to talk about the Edmonton Oilers. We're going to talk about Pugliarvi. We're going to talk about Alexander Ovechkin as well. Gregor makes a uh, fairly compelling case uh, whether or not Ovi can catch Gretzky in the goal department. The Eskimos will come up his career, which has a, a very interesting story behind it. Farm life and more with Jason Gregor. Uh, coming up in uh, just a, a few minutes. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, we have to get to our top three. Three, two, one, and liftoff. Let's go. Time for your top three. Liftoff and the clock has started. Roger, zero G, and I feel fine. Beautiful, beautiful. So today, our top three, which as always is presented by Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports. Fantasy sports are great. And now with Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports, it's more realistic than ever. You can own one of only 31 professional fantasy hockey franchises in the world. 23 men rosters, 27 player reserve list to stockpile for the future. Daily roster moves, a wickedly unique playoff format. 
And they're not just players on your roster. They are digital assets. Use digital currency to buy and sell players, build a championship team now, or you can stockpile for the future and win great, great uh, rewards of digital currency. Only a few franchises left of the 31 available, and uh, you can get your own by bidding right now. Uh, The website to go to is www.airauctioneer.com slash UFF sports dash NHL dash fantasy dash franchise dash auction. Open your free account, make your bid, and you'll be notified if you are outbid. Uh, In this format, you own the game, so get in the game. Uh, This is what we're going with in our top three topic today. We have Jason Greger on the show, so we're asking your your, uh, top three sports talk shows or podcasts. Uh, I'm going to go with podcasts because that's what I'm doing right now, but there's a lot of people out there uh, that are picking the Jason Greger show for sure. My honorable mention, um, I'm being a homer, uh, it's sports night. Uh, the show I used to host with Hernan Salas on TSN 1260 before uh, Countrywide Cutbacks led me down the podcast path, which I am a lot more happier. No offense to uh, TSN 1260, but I'm not at a radio station until midnight, Monday to Friday, and whatever time on Saturday night. So um, what was a, uh, a very tough thing to happen to me uh, in the beginning is turned into a lot of fun and, and starting to have some good success with a podcast alley. So my honorable mention is uh, Sports Night. <laughs> that used to be the show uh, that myself, Connor Halley, and then eventually Hernan Salas uh, hosted on uh, TSN 1260. Uh, and I'm going all podcast the rest of the way. Um, I love a lot of shows on TSN 1260, but I'm going podcast. The number three podcast I'm going with is 31 Thoughts. Uh, Elliot Friedman, uh, Jeff Merrick. Um, Elliot is one of the most plugged in guys uh, that is out there. So uh, that's an entertaining one. Uh, number two, my good friend Guy Flaming in the Pipeline Show. Um, if you want to know about prospects, it's one of the best out there. Uh, so Guy does a great job with the Pipeline Show. And uh, number one, I'm going with uh, two guys and a goalie. Dustin Nielsen's podcast uh, for Oilers Nation. It's a lot of fun. It's entertaining. Walking Gage and uh, Matt Cassian, uh, they do a great job. It's uh, it's very entertaining. Hernan Salas works on that show as well. So I would love to hear from you uh, on what you love as far as sports talk radio shows or podcasts. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at Duck Millard. Or you can uh, also email the show sports and more pod at gmail.com um news and sports says the lowdown with low tide the jason greger show and inside sports with reed wilkins one to three uh brackets i like the rest of the yeg sports shows uh by the way as well it says ken lou says uh low tide wilkins and dave jameson and then also replies, obviously, if you still had your evening show, you would be second on my list. Sorry, Dean, Low Tide is freaking hilarious. Hey, man, uh, Low Tide is a very funny and a great guy as well. Very, very genuine. Uh, that's for sure. So uh, there you go. That's the uh, ultimate franchise fantasy sports top three topic uh, for this week. Your favorite sports talk shows or podcasts. And you can get more details at www.uffsports.com. 
Duckman's Dominators uh, is my team in that league. I'm, I'm having a lot of fun learning about it, and uh, it's it's going to be amazing because not only do you own the players now as digital assets, but there's going to be something when those when they retire. There's going to be like a legacy league. There's so much coming with Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports. It's uh, it's really exciting. And we've got some great stuff at Podcast Alley as well. Um, we have Tyler Remchuk this week on the Prospects Baseball Show with myself and Jordan Blundell. You will also hear Playing Pepper later this week with Tyler Remchuk of TSN 1260. He is the producer on the Lowdown with Low Tide. Nathan Meissen of Fire and Flower, the VP of Government and Stakeholder Relations, he joined me last week on the Cannabis 101 podcast. We also did one hitters uh, with Nathan where we get to know him. And later this week, Marcy Kiziak, the president of Nova Cannabis. Uh, you're going to love this conversation. Uh, she joined me earlier this week. That will come out Wednesday on the Cannabis 101 podcast. We also did one hitters with her. And one timers with Jason Greger uh, will come out a, uh, a little bit later on this week as well and of course if you would love to uh, get in touch with us uh, you can sports and more pod at gmail.com uh, we're also on twitter at duck millard well that's my twitter handle instagram sports and more podcast facebook sports and more 35 and as mentioned you can email me sports and more pod at gmail.com and you can get uh, full episodes and more at sports and more dot c a all right, uh, before we get to uh, Jason Greger, I want to remind you we have the Acme Meat Market Trivia Contest coming up later in the show. A gift card from Acme Meat Markets will be up for grabs. You can go and say hi to Corey, uh, Amanda, and their wonderful staff in the Ritchie Market, 9570 76th Avenue. Check out their website, acmemeatmarket.ca. Your hint is Greger's Oilers prediction. What is the prediction Jason Greger will have for the Edmonton Oilers? That is your hint to try to win a gift card from Acme Meat Market. All right, uh, just before we get to this interview, and it's a fun one with Jason Greger, let's get to know him just a little bit more with the bio. Time for the bio. Jason Greger was born in Grand Cache, Alberta, but grew up on a farm just outside of New Sarepta and Leduc. He graduated from the French Immersion Program at J.H. Picard High School in Edmonton, but didn't jump into broadcasting right away. He spent eight years in the oil field before taking the broadcasting course at Nate in Edmonton at the age of 27. Even before graduating, he started working with Edmonton radio legend John Short at Oldies 1260, now TSN 1260, as a producer, Eskimos beat reporter, and salesman. His first show was a weekly one called The Gridiron Show in 2002, before starting just a game a year later. In 04, he joined then Team 1260 and hosted a nightly show from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. and formed his own company a year later. Eventually, he expanded to 9 p.m. to midnight before moving to middays in 2006 with the Jason Greger Show, heard currently from 2 to 6 p.m. on TSN 1260. Jason and his wife Tracy have a son named Beckett.
Gregs, it's uh, great to have you in uh, studio here, man. It's uh, been a, a, um, a, a long time I've wanted to get you in here and talk about because I think you have such an interesting career path. And we were just discussing, as as people heard in the bio, um, I I didn't know a lot about this uh, oil field career that you had <laughs> before broadcasting. And, and and that's the thing I love is, is you know, in TV, 30 seconds was a, a short amount of time. Uh, and then in radio, 15 minutes, you, you know, you have a 15 minute segment and, and these podcasts I do, I love being able to tell a little bit of a different story and maybe a longer form and, and get to know the people. So thanks for coming in, man. Hey buddy. Thanks for having me. I, I love the, I love the room here, all the different jerseys and uh, you even supplied a big Turk. So I was wondering when you were going to oh, notice dude, I've that. Seen it. I'm like, uh, this is the longest I've sat with a big Turk in front of me and not eaten it. I don't know how fresh that is. My <laughs> wife uh, found it. She's a big Turk fan. Mm-hmm. So I just, will just uh, warn you. I don't think there's ever a big Turk that's been uh, bad. Like they, <laughs> there's there, none of them will be more than a month old because they're so popular. All right. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, big popular uh, topic in Edmonton right now is Connor McDavid. Uh, you were down there talking to him today. Um, you know, we saw last year, he goes into the net and we hear about this recovery and then he gets hit by Giordano and you see him really upset and then he gets rammed into those boards. I mean, there must be a lot of really concerned Oilers fans right now, just about, you know, is, is this guy going to, because he's so dynamic and he's so fast, the only way to stop him sometime is to try to knock him off balance into the boards. Yeah. Like I thought the Giordano one was really overblown by people. Like I watched that replay a hundred times. That's a minor penalty at best. That's all it is. It's mm-hmm. a minor penalty. Should they have called it? Sure. And I get that McDavid in the times pissed because he was mad that he wanted a penalty. Yeah. That, that's all he wanted. I talked to him about it afterwards. Um, you know, the, the crashing of the boards is, is a different thing because, you know, he's at, at high speed, although it wasn't like that was the fastest he skated at that individual moment. But you know what? He he has a bruised knee and really nothing more this time. I understand the trepidation because mm-hmm. it's it's a great player. And, you know, if Edmondson had been in the playoffs regularly, this I don't think it would be the same. But there's there's such still an angst amongst the fans, and understandably so, that they're just like, hey. You know what? McDavid just got injured last year. And thankfully for them and him, he didn't have to miss any regular season games. Right. So uh, the fact that the players were joking kind of about it in the locker room, he's got a peg leg that uh, that to me shows <laughs> that I think he'll play. I, I would be surprised that, that he won't play. And you know, it's, it's just a, it's just a contusion. We call it a bruise, whatever mm-hmm. Charlie horse, anybody who's ever played sure. any sport has gotten a Charlie horse and it's painful, but it's not debilitating. It's not structurally uh, any sort of damage. And I think he'll be fine. He'll probably have to deal with a little discomfort, but he also has state-of-the-art training facilities. They'll get they'll get all the best treatment mm-hmm. to bring the swelling down quicker than, than it will for, for even 10 years ago athletes. So I, I think he'll be fine long-term, but it's, yeah, it's it's scary. It's, it's the NHL, sadly. I, I know Vancouver fans are all upset about Elias Pettersson lately, and mm-hmm. and they have right to be. But newsflash, the NHL, for whatever reason, believes that the star players, they need to fight through the yeah. weaker players. Like, it's it boggles my mind. It makes no sense. It's it's why Mario Lemieux called it a garage league yeah. at, at one point and, and wanted to quit. Yeah. Or did quit. Yes. You know, like, and it's... Uh, you know, is it a big deal if McDavid doesn't play, if he misses one game? I, I know the Oilers need him, and it's a really tight race, but in, in the long run... If he misses one game, yeah. The, well, the orders are it's better. Yeah, for him. you know what? Yeah, they're not going to rush him for sure. If he has to miss a game, he will. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at their lineup, 
you know, it's, it still illustrates like a lot of people have, I've been debating this for months. Like they need another scoring winger more than they need a third line center. Like, because Riley Shahan's playing pretty well as a third mm-hmm. line center. So even if you get like, like the best third line centers, how much production are they getting? But you know, you look at, at a top six winger, a legit one, like Zucker just got traded. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people thought that guy would have fit in. Right. I thought and so I too. get so, yeah. but you know, salary caps an issue that Ken Holland's having to deal with. So I still think, you know, even as a rental, like Ila Kovalchuk on this team right now, right. Especially with Neil out and, and Kovalchuk's a better right. skater, hundred percent. So I think that's, that's what they'll look for. Athanasiu, I know he's having a terrible year. The guy can flat out fly. He did mm-hmm. score 30 goals. I don't think he's a 30 goal scorer. I think he's a 20 goal scorer. And they don't really have a lot of, like other than James Neal, they don't have a 20 goal. Well, 20 goal scorer on Nugent your second Hopkins wing is, is pretty good. Is playing wing, so he's a 20 goal scorer. Mm-hmm. But they really don't have a lot of them. So I think they could use more for sure. And, and I would still say that's the biggest one. Because if they're one injury away from being that thin in your bottom, your top six, like your bottom six, you can figure it out. Like the gap isn't as big as if you lose someone in your top mm-hmm. six, at least in my eyes. Uh, another big topic is the Darnell Nurse uh, contract. Um, what do you think? I don't mind it for either side, to be honest. I think Darnell Nurse gets $5.6 million for two years. Like, you know, he he talked today about, they were talking about a five-year deal. And, and... There was never any discussion about eight million. I don't where I know that Jim Masson tweeted once that oh, it's, yeah. a compa- it's not a comparable. It was never really used. Well, I talk- it was also talked about Zach Cassian was a four million dollar player. Yeah, exactly. And so you you look at Nurse. I think at the most he would have got on a long term deal is seven million at the most, right? But on a five year deal, I'm talking maybe like six point eight or six because it goes down, mm-hmm. right? So let's say he signs for two years, and now in two more years they're going to re up him again, and let's say by then it's a six year deal or something. Fine. I don't think he's suddenly jumping up to 8 million unless the salary cap explodes to the alleged 95 million and such well if it does well then sure it's all different but everybody's going to go up at that point so i think he's betting a little bit that the cap goes up good for him but if not his next deal is let's say 6.5 or whatever Mm -hmm. it is i don't think he's really lost that much money he's still making 11.2 million dollars over two seasons like he's good uh the the orders they've got some cap certainty because his raise basically comes from brandon manning's contract and eric gribe is 300 grand that's still on uh, off, on the buyout yeah. right so you know it's it's a small little area that that ken holland really he re-signs nurse but because he's losing that other money on contracts that aren't helping the team he's no better he's no worse off and arguably better off so that's a good sign for them they've also got uh jones under contract already mm-hmm. you know bear and and benny need deals you know benny's not going to get a raise and and ethan bear this is one where ken holland is if he wants to flex his muscles, he can because it's the one time you don't have arbitration for a player and that's just the business. It's not personal. It's the right. business. You try to use it to your advantage. And I'm curious to see, you know, what they'll do with Bear or will they try to get him on a long-term deal like an Oscar Clefbaum that turned out very well for the orders down the road. Concern at all that this deal walks Darnell Nurse right into uh, unrestricted free agency? A little bit, but you know what? How many really good players hit the market every year? Right, that, that are under yeah. the age of thirty. Yeah. No, yeah. Right? It's it's a small amount. Yeah. And 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 if he's likes it here and they've had success, you you have a better chance at, at retaining him for a longer term deal. He is very tight with McDavid and Drysaddle. And he's also a very important leader. I talked to Alex Chase on about it and he said like he's very upbeat guy. He's a very positive guy and he's vocal. And he's he's one player in the room that if something uncomfortable needs to be said, yeah. 
whether it's to the low guys or if it's McDavid or Drysaddle, he's probably the one guy yeah. that could say it. Like, you know, Messier used to tell Gretzky stuff. Kevin Lowe used to say stuff to Gretzky. And, mm-hmm. and that's important. You need guys that he respects enough. Not that, that McDavid wouldn't respect other guys, but some people don't have it in them to say the uncomfortable thing. It's hard to do, yeah. right? Like 80% of us don't want to have the uncomfortable conversation Most with a coworker. Most of us don't want conflict, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. So, and it's not necessarily even conflict, but you're right. At that In that moment, it'd be like, it, yeah. hey, Connor, you have to back check for our, and just use an yeah. example because it's harder to say that for the or player anybody. who does yeah, everything, yeah, yeah. right? So, and I think Nurse has that capabilities, and that's a hard thing to to really put a price point on. But the other thing is, if you look at Darnell Nurse in from last year to this year, he's tenth in the NHL in, in five on five points for defensemen, tenth, mm-hmm. right? And he was he was the hundred and seventh highest paid defenseman, even with his new contract, he's going to be in the forties for highest paid D man. So mm-hmm. he's he's not a bad contract at, at all. I don't I, think. I think it's a fair contract. I really think the uh, the cleft bomb injury last year made him elevate his game and all that power. And I thought like, he was getting way too many minutes when when cleft bomb was out, and I thought he was going to burn out. And and I don't know if he really ever did. So I think it was like, okay, you have to take on this responsibility, and that's led him to be able to step up even more. But I, I really think it forced him into that. If if cleft bomb does cleft bomb doesn't get hurt. Maybe he isn't thrust into those situations and hasn't taken these steps forward like he has this yeah, year. That's totally fair comment. And the thing is, you look at Nurse, he plays the most minutes five on five. Like mm-hmm. he plays that he's plays five on five and penalty kill. Whereas Kleppbaum plays, yeah, he plays all three, but he doesn't play as much on the penalty right. kill because he's on the power play. And we all know that the power play minutes are a little bit less taxing physically on you. So, yeah. you know what? It's good for Nurse. He's also, you know, I think some people he's still he's still helping Ethan Bear. Right? Like Darnell Nurse isn't that much of a veteran, right? And Bears mm. talked about how Nurse helps him in a lot of ways more mentally than anything else. Just how he builds his confidence, how he talks to him. You know, also, you know what? Um, like Darnell Nurse was like a proud big brother when Ethan Bear was chucking the knuckles with Matt Kachuk. Like you listen to Nurse, like he gets generally just like, it was so awesome, right? And yeah. and he went out of his way to make sure that he tells Ethan Bear that, right? And we all know Ethan Bear doesn't have to fight, but you've played, you know, like making team unity mm-hmm. is from things like that. Like, oh, Hey, nice pass. Great. But when you want to stand up for yourself, that just, it creates such a bond amongst yeah. teammates. He seems like he's kind of the, the straw that stirs the drink, uh, as far as team chemistry and things like that. He's not the, he's not pulling what McDavid's doing and, yeah. and McDavid, we all know what he does, but kind of that, uh, stirring the drink. Um, another guy who seems like that is, is Zach Cassian, who also, uh, got a new deal, and and as I mentioned, I don't think he was a four million dollar player that was bantied about, but that's a pretty good deal. Oh, it's Especially a really good deal the, for the Zach. Back, the third year, yeah, like I, like the, well, I thought it would only be three years, and he got four. Yeah, right? sorry, the, the yeah. fourth year. I mean, and yeah, so sorry. that's that's one that maybe down the road, but that's usually what happens when it's unrestricted for agents. And Ken Holland, I the thing I respect about Holland is he doesn't try to sugarcoat things. He says, hey. I'm going to make a bad signing because every GM does mm-hmm. like you, you don't know which one it is. Some that you think are really good. And two years later or three years later, some that you thought would be eh, look really good. And some you thought would be awesome. Don't look awesome. So you just got to hope that you have more good ones and fair ones than you mm-hmm. have bad ones. And you know, Cassian's skating ability is what's going to allow him to be in the NHL. He's physical. He's also a, a really raw, raw guy and make no mistake for Zach to get his life in order is somebody he can talk about just life skills to other guys and, right. and young players. And I think that's something that probably gets overlooked. Right. And, and Zach's not one who 
and, and him and I have had this conversation. I said, like, you're an inspiration to people because there's a lot of people that deal with different type of addictions. And and he's like, well, you know what? Like, he doesn't feel like he's anything special in doing it. And that's mm. just kind of his mentality. But I'm like, you're right. But the fact, and he goes, why do I work came? It doesn't mean the next guy will do it the same way or a girl. But the fact is that they see that you did it, mm. still playing in a high tent. Because some people could do it where, A, not everybody knows about it. Sure. Right? So, and that, that could be good or bad. But I think... The human side of sports sometimes gets overlooked. And I just read a book called The Captain Class. And it talked about, and it had, it outlined the seven greatest teams in sports history, hmm. right? And you know what? Now, of course, like any debate, you're like, well, why is that one in there sure, now? Yeah, yeah. But it had hockey and basketball and football and baseball and the New Zealand All Blacks. And it, and it even had, you know, cricket and other volleyball and different ones. And, but it talked about leaders and different things that they did. And it wasn't, it was far from their best players all the time and mm -hmm. just different personalities and how, even though a guy was, a leader on their team and some were captains and then even leading up to the time that they weren't the captain and how important the role was. And it was, fa it was a fabulous read uh, by Sam Walker who really believes in analytics too. Cause I find some people it's like, like don't discount analytics. Yeah. I agree. But then analytics people don't discount the importance of emotion. Yeah. It, it, every little bit contributes to 100%. team success. Yes. You don't, you don't win an emotion alone uh, or grit alone. Yeah. You have to have skill and you have to have, um, the, the research behind it, I think in today's game anyway, hundred percent, you, you need all of it. And you know, we'll see, like, there are some teams like the Houston Rockets, they're going, they're, they're the outlier on yeah. analytics. Like they've gone so far to everybody shoots three and we don't yeah. like, they don't even got anybody who's big now, like in basketball terms. So it'll be fascinating. Um, what, what do you think of, of Ken Holland's grades so far, you know, in this, what, three quarters, half of a season, just in the off season work, um, I, I guess Holland Tippett, the combo, um, do you, you give him a pretty high grade so far? Oh yeah. Well, you look, they're in a playoff position, mm -hmm. right? They, he, he got rid of Milan Lucic for James Neal. So that's a massive win. Even right? that alone is such a huge move. Uh, Archibald, Shahan, Negard, Haas have all worked out. Granlin's the only one who didn't. So, you know, you're batting 80% on mm -hmm. contracts, uh, right now. Uh, you know, he's going to need some short-term deals again. He's, he's been, he's stuck to his guns. Bouchard's not up here and not Waited only are they on not rushing him. Yeah. But they're also gaining the year of the slide rule because of Bouchard's birthday right, when he was yeah. signed. So he's his entry-level contract doesn't officially kick in until next year, yeah. right? So, you know, it's kind of, it's not disappointing for Bouchard, I guess, in a small sense, but he'll be under contract technically for four years, right? So that's a, yeah. it's one of those small little things and he hasn't rushed any of their players. He, he's he been very patient, even in December when mm. the orders hit, hit the skids, he, he didn't freak out about it. So, you know, even the Mike Smith signing, like a lot of people question, and now Mike Smith's numbers aren't great, but man, he's a battler. He's yeah. competitive. I think, what is he, 7-0-2 in his last, you know, how many starts? So he's finding ways to win games. And at the end of the day, wins, I always will take wins over goals against average and, and sure. save percentage for a short term. I, mean, I know that in the long term, mm -hmm. eventually you need uh, the save percentage stuff, but I, I think Smith's attitude as a competitor rubs off on people. And I still like Costin's overall game. I think he's he's calmer, but for now you're riding Smith and I'm going to be curious to see what um, Holland does at the trade deadline. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think he's going to sacrifice too much, but at the same time, the Pacific division's wide open. There's no dominant team. And the orders might be the favorite because they got the two best players. So does he look and say, hey, if I had one guy, we could win one, maybe two rounds. That's huge for playoff experience for their, for their core guys. 
obviously for the business bottom line, like they're desperate to make the playoffs yeah. and win around. Let's make no mistake about it. And then Tippett I've liked because he's he's pretty just even keel. He's not afraid to to call out players in a, in a very professional manner. He, he knows he's really good at the human element of stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he seems to push the right buttons. People are like, well, why is he starting Smith? And then Smith would win. And then why is he moving this guy up? And Josh Archibald score. Like remember in Vancouver, mm -hmm. like why is Josh Archibald playing with McDavid? And then he scores his first goal of the year. Right. So he, his players, he, he seems to make them want to reward him. And he's teaching them that, uh, you know, you're going to score more by preventing more and, and creating turnovers yeah. and things like that. And, and the fact that Ken Holland hasn't called up players, I mean, how many years did we look and say, why is this guy here? Why is this guy called up? Why, you know, and, you know, Jesse Pujarvi goes down for four games and then comes back up. And, yeah. and there's a trade chip that Ken Holland hasn't rushed and overreacted to, to, to use and and maybe has it at the deadline. I don't know if I don't know if there's teams that'll trade for Pugliarvi at the deadline, but maybe at the draft or oh, whatever. I, but he has not rushed that that trade chip. At, at the draft is that's when teams are are feeling like okay, you know what? Here's a good chance for me to re re rebuild our team or mm -hmm. retool our team. So you know, and Pugliarvi's averaging a point a game in in the Finnish elite league. And I know some people try to poo poo that league. I'm like, I'm sorry. I've talked to so many scouts. It's basically on par with the American Hockey that's League. That's what I've heard too. There's, there's no question. Now it's a bigger ice server, so it's a different style of game. Now that's a that's mm. a valid concern. That can he play on the smaller ice? Yeah, he still seems to be a bit of a rover. Yeah, but Pugliarvi's. I already had no confidence. And and I remember at the end of last year, people kind of laughed at me when I said, actually, if we're asking in all series, where's the best place for him? I said, it's in Finland because mm -hmm. he couldn't play in the American League. He wasn't going to clear waivers. And if he started in the NHL, well, he wasn't going to start in the top line with no. Cassie in there. He wasn't going to start in the second line with James Neal or Chase on coming off 20 goals. So he was starting the bottom six with no confidence. Now, Tippett's a different communicator. He could have got out of him, maybe. But Pugliarvi now has confidence. And, and here's the strange thing, Dean. Ken Holland won't just trade him for the sake of it. He'll say to yes, say, hey, no one wants to give me what I think you're worth. So if you want to be in the NHL, come to my team. That in itself is a compliment to him. Do you think that could happen? I think it's a small... I would say, like, in September, I thought zero chance. I would say in the summertime, because Pugliarvi's now a year older. Mm -hmm. He's more mature. And like all of us, time heals your we frustration a little back, bit. Yeah. And maybe he felt... You know, unwanted. Dave Tippett comes over and he's like, oh, geez, now the team's competitive. We're like, hey, Yessie, this is, you know, how I see you. And and would look, if he was smart and, and his agent, they would look and say, well, look at how players were used last mm -hmm. year. No one's pigeonholed, right? If you're playing well, you're going to play. Right. If you're not playing well, you're going to go up or down. And, and that's how it works. And I, most guys want, now, if he thinks he has to be guaranteed top six minutes, well, mm -hmm. I don't know. Some team might lie to you, but then That's he'll right. get that on a bad team, and and a bad team will, will likely be willing to pay for him because he's only he's going to be twenty two. Most Finnish players, Dino, don't really make impacts in the league. Like mm -hmm. Patrick Laine was a big outlier. Timo Solani, right, the uh, jersey up there, twenty two year old rookie, you know, right? seventy six goals in his twenty. I remember me and my buddy were in the the library at Crocus Plains High School reading the hockey news because in nineteen ninety three, that's yeah. how you got your hockey news. And on the cover was all the salaries for the 93. And we we're like, who the hell is this Solani guy? Like we never heard really, you, yeah. there was no internet. So you didn't know. Uh, and then he comes out because he was older and, you know, has the greatest rookie season of all time. And look at Miko Koivu. Yeah. Look at the Sedins, how many years it took for yeah. them to yeah. really establish themselves. Like it's a big transition coming from the bigger ice to the smaller ice and just maturing. And, you know, there's so many players like that. So I, I think it's way too early to write off Pugliarvi because most people are gauging him on what he did in a league when mm -hmm. he shouldn't have been there. Make no mistake, the owner screwed this up.
yeah. pre-Ken Holland. Yep. I argued it for years. He was not ready, and he's proven it. And that doesn't mean he can't be ready at 24 or 23, but he wasn't ready then to be a, a impactful player in the NHL. Biggest difference this year to last year, and what do you think the Oilers might do at the deadline? Uh, biggest difference to me is... Well, number, I think it starts at the top. I'm a big believer in the triangle theory leadership and it rolls downhill and Ken Holland and Dave Tippett have come in and, you know, more and not that Tippett and McClellan are that much different. He's a little different communicator for sure. But Ken Holland compared to Peter Shirelli, it's night and day. Mm. He's got an open door policy to a lot of people. He's just more of a communicator. I think he's calmer. And also it's just, you look and say, okay, well, what's he done? Well, he's come in and uh, he traded Neil for, for Milan Lucic. It worked out right away. He signed guys, gave him opportunities and they've all performed and worked mm-hmm. well. And Tippett says, Hey, if you play well, you're going to get chances here. Everything they've said, they pretty much backed up. And I think the players all want honesty and transparency and said, we're not rushing young guys. They didn't rush anybody. Yamamoto came up when he was ready and look at him now. And he go, he didn't start in the first line, the first game. Right. And then he moved sure. up. He, he did start with, with, um, dry settle, but, uh, it wasn't, you know, he played eight minutes his first game. Then he moves up. Dry settle was kind of splitting time. And then they moved up and that line clicked right when they put Nugent Hopkins there. So great. And I, and I think that to me, it's more so the leadership from the team. Also, I will say this. I think um, their two big dogs are a little bit more invested in their 200 foot game. Mm. And I think that has probably comes a lot from coaching too, a little bit yeah. maybe. And a lot of it comes from just the players realize, you know what? And Dave Tippett, I think would tell them that flat out said, Hey guys, if you do it, that's right. There's no excuse. Anyone else can do it. Uh, goaltending for me on ice uh, has been, you know, it just was not there last year. Yeah. And, and and I think this year, um, I don't really know if either goalie, Mike Smith had a, a little bit of a, of a rough patch there. Yeah. Um, but other than that, it's been, I think goaltending on ice is one of the biggest reasons why they're in a playoff position. Well, Miko Koskinen, and I think people forget Miko Koskinen up until like when, when the first 50 games of the year, Koskinen had a nine ten save percentage. You'll, you'll take that. Like this year, the average is like 905, mm-hmm. I think it is, right? Because there's, yeah. well, there's more goals. So that's mm-hmm. fine. And and I think for many years, we got inflated save percentages. That didn't mean the goalies were that great. It's the way the game was. There was not right. many great chances. So the game's opened up now. Awesome. And just because you're a 905 or a 910 doesn't mean you're any less mm-hmm. of a goalie. Just there's more goals. And Koskinen's not fatigued because he yep. died in this when they played him 27 starts or 25 out of 27. Ridiculous. And mm-hmm. so that won't happen. But I am very curious to see what happens down the stretch and then who gets the yeah. If when the orders and I expect them to make the playoffs, who gets opening night start on the playoffs? Yeah, uh, it's that's it's going to be a fascinating debate uh, for for Oiler fans. Uh, okay, uh, we we learned in one timers that you love watching Ovechkin. Yeah, um, Craig Laughlin tonight on the Capitals broadcast says he thinks Ovechkin might be the last guy to get to seven hundred goals in the NHL. What do you think? Ooh, I never thought of that. <laughs> Like, I didn't think anyone would ever catch Gretzky. Yeah. So do, you, do you think he has a chance at catching Gretzky? I mean, he has to average, like, a lot. Of, he has to play till he's, like, 39. Yeah, I think, well, Ovi's in great shape. He I is, think yeah. I think he could play five more years. And, you know, I, I kind of crunched the numbers. Let's say next year he goes down to 45. Mm-hmm. Then he can go to 40. Then he can go to 34. Then he can go to 30 and then 28. Like, it's not, like, outlandish numbers when you think of Ovechkin. Wow. Right? Wow, when you break that down like that, yeah. it's it's it like, seems very realistic. It, it seems like he could score twenty eight in his sleep. Yes, totally. So 
health and he's always been pretty healthy. So that helps him. I, I think, I really think he wants to go for the record. I don't think there's any doubt about oh, that. Yeah. And he now, loves, especially now that he has a cup, right? He has a cup. Um, they could win again this year, right? Like he seems mm -hmm. just like excited as ever. He's got that excitable personality. I don't think he loses that. Nope. And, and the fact that Gretzky came out and said, he'd love him to break the record. Well, that's incentive. Yeah, right? So I, I think he has a chance now. Can someone else score 700? That's, you know what? Like we're, we're seeing goal scoring tick up a little bit. Right, like you look right now, um, Drysaddle is going to score forty goals again this year. Mm. Right now, you know what? That, that's a long way to go to get to seven hundred. Right, Austin Matthews, Patrick Line, those guys are pretty good goal scorers at, at young age. So seven hundred, like I don't think anyone's going to get eight hundred. It's hard, but I didn't think anybody would do it before. So what? It'd be a decade at least, mm -hmm. right? At least before anyone even gets close. But Lachlan could be onto something. Like, it's hard to score that many goals because the big one is health. That's right. Can you stay healthy? And then are you that good of a goal scorer? Yeah. Uh, last one on the uh, the NHL for a bit. Um, Olympics. Uh, they're, they're, they've kind of reopened this door again. Um, you know, Theron Fleury said, uh, don't you think Connor McDavid wants a, a gold medal or something like that? And, you know, there was the argument that, well, what if Connor McDavid gets hurt? Well, you could, you, you can't live your life like that or else nobody would leave their house. Yeah. Um, so the, the Olympics, I think is a good thing. Uh, the owners, maybe not so much. Do you think the Olympics is worth it? Uh, see, and that's the interesting one to me because I look and say, okay, the NHL played in the Olympics, right? In 98 and 2002 and 2006 and 2010 and 2014. 14. How I would like to know, and the, the owners would have it, how much growth did they really get from it, mm -hmm. right? So, because if you have the World Cup of Hockey every year, you have it in the summertime and you still get best on best. You wouldn't have that every year. No, no, not every year, but you oh. could do it every, you could every, do it every, every four years if you wanted, like the Olympics, wanted, right? Yeah, or every yeah. two years. Mm -hmm. Because remember, they used to have the Canada Cup, yeah. 91 and right, 87, and they did it every four years. Yeah. People thought that was fantastic. But they never thought the Olympics. Now I get that the Olympics, in a lot of cases, has the best of the best. Sure. Mm -hmm. So I understand why, you know, it looks, but the NFL doesn't have it, right? Major League Baseball doesn't do it. So is it really hurting your league? That's the one that I don't know the answer to, honestly, if... Is the NHL somehow losing globally? Because I'll say this, Dean, I don't really buy into the theory that you can become global. I don't, I don't, the travel costs, I don't think it works. You would have to start six teams at one time in yeah. Europe and you don't have enough elite players to do that right now to expand to add another six teams. Yeah. So if you're only going to have one or two, it doesn't make the travel any sense. And unless you're going to really relocate six teams, which is the only way you could do it, I just... Like all this talk is great, mm -hmm. but I look at the sporting landscape, Dean, and I'm maybe I'm different than most people. That sports is in for a big awakening. You you look at fans are staying away from the NF. They're staying away from watching games live more than ever. Sure. And so it's about the games on TV. Now, maybe that's why they will go globally because there's just not enough people in North America anymore who are that interested in watching enough so games. Get people to watch. So it, yeah. they'll they'll watch on TV. Mm -hmm. But then you've got time zone. Right? How many people you look at eight hour difference, whatever it is. It's I don't like nine hours to like, Finland. Like I really don't know if the NHL needs the Olympics that bad. Other than I know players got in it before, but if you go back to having, you know, the world cups and the Canada cup, like the world cup mm -hmm. and you make it the best teams. Cause guess what, Dean, you and I both know there's only eight teams. Like that's I know right. that you get 12 in the Olympics and that's awesome, but we know that the bottom four teams like good for them. There's only a top six. Yeah. Yeah. There's and really barely. Yeah. It, well, maybe top seven. Cause the Swiss is always competitive. 
Right, like they're yeah. always competitive, and Germany's coming. Like Germany's got a lot of young players mm-hmm. coming. They're going to have a couple right? of really high end picks yeah. this year. So yeah, so they'll they'll be better, you know. But that's still ten years until but those right guys now, are in their twenties. Six, yeah, probably six, you know, right? Because I don't think Slovakia is, kinda, is in that. Yeah, top they've kind of fallen off. And a the bit. Czechs, sometimes you never know. Yeah, right? at the World Juniors, there's not even six almost, right? Like when you look yeah. at the World Juniors, there should be a top six. But when's the last time the Czechs really made a whole lot of noise? early two thousands? Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's when it. They won, yeah, when they won, yeah, I think they won two goals. So. I don't, I'll be honest, I don't think the NHL needs the Olympics as much as, like, I see a lot of people, oh, well, the NHL is closed-minded. I'm like, um, that's you thinking that somehow if the NHL is not in the Olympics, like, they didn't go in 2018. Mm-hmm. Did we see massive drop-off, right? Yep. Like, it sounds dumb, but the Summer Olympics would work the best for the NHL, but it'll never happen. Yeah, <laughs> that would be interesting. Soccer might be the only global sport, right? Yeah, well, basketball is cold, but yeah, soccer for sure. I yeah, think is the one I mean, that like ha- with like the yeah with the, all the, the continents know. and it's and it's competitive everywhere. And they have a World Cup that is best on best yes. every four years. So that that's probably yeah, the only sport. It's the only one because and, everybody plays. Other a lot of the other sports you need cleats and a ball. Yeah, and the other sports are very much continent driven in a lot of cases. Yeah. Uh, let's talk Eskimos quickly. Um, coaching staff, uh, you know, the look, looked like they were asking a bunch of people and, and were getting turned down uh, for, for interviews. And then um, lo and behold, Milanovic comes into this. Um, I was surprised. Were you surprised by uh, the naming of Scott Milanovic? A, a little bit because he was under contract in mm-hmm. the NFL, but I think that looks and Hey, to, to be the, to run your own show, he's and done he it before. Knew things were going to be done in Jacksonville. Yeah. Like the way they were going there, he wasn't going to be there next yeah. year because there's going to be a new coach. So, so that's smart of him. You know, he comes in, he's got a lot of experience. There's no question about it. Um, they, they, <laughs> Interesting because, you know, a new defensive coordinator, which I didn't kind of expect, but, uh, you know, Lolly had the personal decision. Uh, mm-hmm. That's what they're telling us. So um, that was a little surprise. I was I was happy kept AJ Gas. I think continuity is huge in coaching mm-hmm. in football, just like it is in any sport. You keep turning over stuff. I think he's a young, bright mind, too. Yeah, and the Eskimos, because now, now you don't have to learn a whole new system again, right? right? You're going to have to have some changes on offense. There's going to be some changes on defense, for sure. So that'll take some time. But, you know, overall, I, th- I think their staff's okay. Like, I'm very intrigued by free agency because the one of the biggest weaknesses on the team last year was they didn't have a guy who was a playmaker in the red zone as a receiver or i shouldn't say that they had a guy that didn't use him in devaris daniels okay yeah well now he's gone mm-hmm. right or he's leaving from what i understand so who's going to be that right like they they don't have that big play guy in the red zone right and, and harris isn't a, a massive consistent deep threat thrower right mm-hmm. he likes to go down the field great so now the field shrinks when you get inside the 20. so you need somebody at some point you just throw the ball up and he goes and gets it they had a darius bone tucker was a great route runner right then you they had duke johnson you had zilstra mm-hmm. you had a lot of big playmakers Darrell walker right yeah. like big playmakers yeah. and i don't know if they don't if they can't get any then where are they at in that department so that's a concern for me as well as uh who's going to be their middle linebacker and well, really, who's going to be their linebackers? Anumba and Larry Dean aren't coming back. Um, you get to know Ed Hervey. I got to know Ed Hervey. Um, I'm sure you got to know Jason Moss a little bit. Uh, what do you make of uh, these two guys um, and their post careers? And Ed as a GM and Jason as a as a head coach. Well, you know, Ed obviously won a great cup in Edmonton, so you know he's had a pretty good start to his career. Mm-hmm. The, you know, last year did not go well for the BC Lions. Uh, you know, for a variety of different reasons. But when you're the GM, you got to own that. So right. um, it, there's very few GMs, I think. Uh, it doesn't matter how big or how small the league is that are going to have success all the time, 
Right. And so, you know, I, I think Ed, if, if you gave him some true serum, would be the first to tell you that, you know, he might have bet a little bit too much on on too many veterans mm-hmm. thinking that they could relive their youth a bit. And that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's funny, the Eskimos and the BC Lions, the two biggest playmakers in free agency, didn't do much. And I, I don't care what league you're in. You're rarely building your team through free agency. You overpay. Yeah, well, you overpay, but it's continuity and everything. And look at the Bombers. They didn't do anything. They <laughs> And they kept their team. You know, continuity matters at times. Now, obviously, they made the Caleros trade after the injuries, and he played a pretty big role in it, that's no question. So, so strange, sure, eh? but like that story. I Jason Moss, I think, is a fantastic uh, football mind. And when you have so many players talk about him that way, it's it's hard to argue. I I think Jason at times was, if, if there was one knock at him as a head coach, I thought he didn't crack the whip enough on discipline, the guys who took penalties. Sure. And now he did things like he would run with them. Like he tried to show like, hey, but... There, it's like, you know what? Sometimes it's just like, if he would have sent a message to a veteran in week two, not a rookie, a veteran who's taken all the penalties, you're sitting down. Mm-hmm. And the first time it's a quarter, the next time, and all of a sudden guys are going to be like, okay, because now playing aggressive and you're going to take the odd penalty, but it was the after, it was the pre-snap penalties. And after. And after mm-hmm. snap. And those the are like, you want to play hard. And guess what? We'll live with an unnecessary play roughness to the call. Whistle. But it's the after the whistle mm-hmm. stuff and you're constantly taking penalties like that. Just th- there was way too much of that last year. And so that, that's something he can learn from. But I think Jason Moss will be a head coach again in the league uh, just because he's he's well respected. And he'll go to Saskatchewan and, and Dickinson's a little bit calmer. I think you can always learn different things. But Moss will be back as a head coach. I have no doubt in my mind. I sometimes wonder if some guys are just meant to be coordinators, though. Richie Hall comes to mind as maybe he's just a better coordinator. And I wonder if Jason Moss at least right now in his career, is too emotional to be a head coach and needs to have somebody uh, over top of him right now to because he he obviously is almost too emotional at times or yeah. or was. He, see, and you know what? Do you know it's great that you said that because you're right, he was. The thing was, you look at last year, Jason Moss mm-hmm. didn't freak out once, but people still bring it up. And it's funny how some people don't want to change their perception, right? And it doesn't matter as human beings. Mm-hmm. Some It's like, it's hard to want to look and say, okay, his perception changed. But Jason Moss was rarely the fire. Sure, every now and then, like he gets on the, every coach in the league at some point is going to yell at the referee. And so when Moss did, it's like, oh, here he goes again. I'm like, no, everybody else is doing mm-hmm. that once or twice a year. You're allowed to do that. That's fine. Um, you know, you're going to get upset. Come on, that's a call, whatever. And, you know, like I, I, I talked to a few officials and yeah, his first few years, he talked to officials too much. They said, you know what, of all the guys he's calmed down, it was him the most, right? Like Ken Austin never did. And the officials despised him. Moss hmm. was one who had conversations and they said, hey man, like some self-growth, which, you know, we've all had that at some point in our sure. life where you ha- hopefully you have a good boss who sits you down one time and says, hey, you know what, you got to look at this. And you're like, well, screw you. But then you go back and you're like, okay. All right. And away you go. And I think Moss learned that he's, he can't, you can't change who you are, but you you can change how some people look at you and you watch Moss in two years, that perception, only people that don't want to admit growth will con- continue to think in a future that Jason Moss is still the fiery guy, right? Mm-hmm. He's, it's, it's going to be a funny thing. That's he always, he might do it once a year, but most coaches do it once a year. Yeah, a lot of coaches flip the garbage can in the dressing room. Sure. You can't do it all the time because no. it, it wears off. All right, let's talk uh, so let's talk some non-sports stuff. You sure. went away recently, and you turned your phone off for like the entire week. Uh, 12 days, buddy. Wow. Love uh, it. I do it every, like, when my wife and I first, uh, when we went on our honeymoon, 
Yeah. And uh, we went to Maui on our honeymoon and I walked into our hotel room and back then it was an old phone that had a battery and I just turned the phone and I just yeah. took the battery out and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I told you, I don't have my phone on. Cause she didn't believe it. Cause un, like I run my own company on my sure. show and stuff. And so I'd need my phone on, but at times I feel like I don't like it because I feel like, Oh, I got to look at my phone all the time. Mm -hmm. and, and, and all of us, I think are guilty of that. Sure. And so once I did it the first time, I'm like, this is really freeing for me. And I told my wife, I'm like, why don't you do it? Well, I have to take pictures. I'm like, no, you don't. You have a camera. You have a really <laughs> yeah, good professional right. yeah, camera yeah, right. Yeah. right now. It's harder. Right. And, and so I, I told her, I said, the next time you're shutting off for two days in a row, like off, never on. And so some people like, cause to me, I'm connected on social media a lot through work, yeah. right? Like, you know, not, not as much personally. Like I, I, I do have a private Facebook account just for my family sure, stuff. Yeah. Cause I'd like to do that. But even there, I'm barely on it. Most of my social media is all for work. So when I'm on holidays, I don't want to be on work. Yeah. I don't want to be looking at Twitter. I don't want to look at Facebook. I just want, or Instagram. I just want to relax. And Especially it, if you're in Maui, all the beautiful yes. things to look at. And so for me, it was, it was really nice. Now I'll, I'll be honest because of my work, I check my emails on a laptop. Sure. Uh, on the, uh, and I told my, my business people when I left, I left on a Saturday, I said, I'm going to check it every, cause it was two Thursdays I was gone. I said, I'll check it on Thursday. So if you really need something, send it to me on Wednesday, I'll get it on Thursday. Sure. If you send it to me on Friday, you're not going to get it till the next Thursday. Yeah. Right. And I sent that out and the first few times I did it, it was very freeing. And now I look forward to it because it is, it's, it's amazing how less angry yeah. less upset and less feeling like, Oh, I got to look like I read six books. I'm a big reader. I like yeah. it. Right. And I read a lot of different books, but I just found, I was like, you know, and when I came back, yeah, I did do some research for sure. It's for my job, but that's fun research to me. Like I'm a stats guy. I love looking yeah. up stuff. And so I taped the games and I would fast forward through sure. them and watch different ones. And you know, my, it was funny because my, my mom and my mother-in-law were the ones who said on the Wednesday, Hey, the order games tonight, uh, the rematch. Oh, the cat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and they're like, can you get it? And I'm like, well, it's not on TV, but so I got an, uh, like a temporary NHL for a week package. Yeah. So we watched the game, but it was more so now, obviously I'll watch it. Cause I'm a hockey fan. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I love that the rivalry But you weren't back. sitting down every night watching oh, hockey. I didn't watch anything. No, yeah. I didn't watch anything other than that one game on holidays. Yeah. We went, uh, we went camping this past year, uh, this past summer in crown land out by, uh, North in that area okay and there's no service yeah um and the funny thing is my phone lasted for like two and a half days without charging it totally you because never i it. wasn't on it all the time yes. i was taking the odd picture because it's awesome out there but i wasn't on my phone checking and we listened to music and that's about it and and i just said to everybody i'm like oh my god this is not i, I really have to try to do this more it's hard i'm you know it's uh especially when you're a business but Dude, if I won the lottery, I'd be gone off social media. Yeah, if I didn't have to be on social media, I don't think I would be. Yeah, but it's not even social. Well, it is social media for a lot of people because personal Instagram and stuff. But yeah. for me, honestly, like now, like I've weaned myself a lot. When I come home from work, I put my phone in my bunk and I turn my mm. ringer on because I'm like, you know what? If people yeah. really need to get a hold of me, they'll call me. Like if it's a real emergency, right. because a lot of us feel like, well, geez, I can't miss something. Like what if I miss yeah. a text? But I'm like, I'd rather be like, in the moment with my son or my wife, or if I want to watch a show and I don't want to watch a show. And I, I try like even some games now I'll watch and I won't have my phone on. Cause I don't feel the need. Cause I'm like, well now I'm watching closer for different sure. things. And then I'll make a comment or two at intermission or something like that. And I find that I'm watching the game better. And so I've had my phone off. And now like my wife, I told her, I said, I want to have Sundays as no phone day mm. as, for as long as you can. And I'm like, tell your friends, 
and turn your ringer on if they really need to talk to you because people will send you stuff that's insignificant and you're just like, and then they'll be like, why aren't you responding to my text? I'm like, because it's not that important. Like you just asked me whatever. I don't have to get back to you, yeah. right? Like I, now maybe because I grew up and I, younger generation doesn't know any better because that's all they've grown up that's with, right. right? And I don't blame them for that. Like I'm very, I'm not one who likes to scream and yell at millennials. I think people who do that, I'm like, well, keep in mind you raise them. And if you're the one who allowed yeah. all that stuff, you're probably- You can't choose your generation, yeah, man. You're bigger the problem. But for me, like we used to have phones. People would call your house and we didn't even have answer machines for the wall. Then when you got an answer machine, it was like the greatest thing ever. And you'd yeah. leave a message. Hi, uh, Steve, call me back. And sometimes it'd be two days later. Yeah. But you didn't freak out over it. Now people, if they don't respond to your text in, in an, an hour, they're like losing their marbles. Yeah. And what's wrong with you? Are you checking your phone? I'm like- my, I don't believe, and this is my own personal thing. I don't believe that it's like my phone is there, but I connect with people. In a, and if you know what, if I'm connecting with people in the room, they're more important than the people who text me something. Like, mm -hmm. I know you think it's important at that time and I'm sure I'm guilty of it too, but I don't ever expect an instant uh, return unless it's like my producer, Connor Halling, it's our day of the show. I'm like, hey buddy, yeah, Conzo, what, what are we having on the show? And stuff, yeah. But even then, if like, he's like, hey man, sorry, I was at the gym. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. You have a life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, let's get into your, your broadcast career because you have one of the, the most successful and interesting broadcast careers. Uh, well, first of all, you didn't get into broadcasting yeah. until a little bit later. Like, you know, I thought I was late getting into broadcasting when I was like 21, 22, but you had a, a like an eight year stint in the, in the oil patch. What was the, what was the, the last straw where you said, that's it. I'm going into broadcasting. <laughs> uh, and you know, it's funny. Like I always wanted to do broadcasting, but you know, I finished playing junior hockey and you, you kind of get into the working mode and then maybe a little bit of, of lack of confidence or whatever. And you didn't think big picture, but for me, it was, I was working in kill em, And at the time I was working for an oil field company called uh, Premium Oil Field Inspections. And I ran my own unit, which was uh, ultrasonic testing for downhole drill pipe. But in the summertime, when it would slow down, sometimes they would lay off the hands, but then the operators would have to go work on crews together. Okay. So I was used to, when I had my own unit, I had my own room in the hotel. And so when you went on the like cruise, an NHL veteran. yeah, sure. <laughs> and, uh, as when we went on the tubing crew, there was four of you. So obviously they're not going to give you four rooms. Yeah. So you had to room with someone and I, and I'll never forget his name. His great guy, Jason Beatty was his name. And so I remember this, it was in, uh, it was in May and there was hockey playoffs on. Now the first night I came in, I was tired. I fell asleep. And when I fall asleep, nothing wakes me up. I'm a sound sleeper. So I fell asleep. No problem. The next night I'm up, I'm watching TV and actually, sorry, it wasn't May. It was June and the playoffs were over and there was some movie on. So I'm watching the movie and, and BD falls asleep. And, and this guy, when, when I'm awake, I don't really care, but I can hear him snoring. I'm like, geez, this guy's pretty loud snore. Now I go try to go to sleep. Well, dude, I, it's impossible. Like yeah. I, this guy's like the old Freddie Flintstone, you know, bouncing out of the bed. He's snoring so loud, <laughs> shaking the blankets. And finally, like I'm throwing pillows over at him, like shut up. Yeah. And then he would stop for a bit, right? And start up. And then start up yeah. again. And so finally at four in the morning, I can't sleep. I take the duvet off my bed. I go into the bathroom. It's a pretty big bathroom. I roll it, the, I lay it out on the on the floor under the sink. Mm -hmm. And then I roll it and then I lay it in and I roll it over top of me like a sleeping bag. And so I'm laying there I'm in the, and I look up and I'm like, man, there's gotta be more to life than this. Like. I can't be doing this anymore. And literally, and I wasn't mad, right? Like he knocked on the door, like to wake me up to go to breakfast. I'm like, screw you, come back <laughs> after breakfast. I need to sleep more. Yeah. And, you know, so we finished the job. And when we got home, I called my mom and she's high into education and stuff. I said, mom, I want to go into broadcasting. How do I do it? Yeah. She's like, well, you know, you got to go to Nate. I was like, all right. So then I, you know, that was pretty much in the summertime and I figured out I had, and then I had to realize I had to go to upgrade cause I didn't have good enough marks from high school. Right. Like I had, I had seventies, but you needed eighties to get in. It's pretty, there's only 
12 kids in radio every year and every, so I could go to Nate in what they called their college prep courses. And you could use, you started in late August mm -hmm. and then you could use your midterm marks to apply to get in for the January program for radio. So they would take your halfway marks and if they were good enough, they would assume that you would maintain those. Sure. So, I, and so and the, now the only course I really needed to upgrade was, uh, was chemistry. Right. Because my English mark was okay, you know, but the chemistry was a low one. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. But it was at 1130. So I couldn't work right in the mornings. Right. And it was done. I couldn't. So I was like, well, I might as well just take some other courses and improve all my marks. So I took math, social, and I took four courses and uh, got in. And because I'm older now, I'm studying. It's easy. I'm ready to go. You're motivated. And uh, it was fun. And then, so I got accepted. And then I started in school in January of 2000. So then you get into broadcasting, you, you, you're, you know, not a lot of people are lucky enough to get out of school and get to learn from a legend in John Short. I mean, that must've been, dude, it was unreal. Like, like I started working with John actually when I was in school, because so, uh, I started in 2000. So that was one semester. Then my second semester went uh, in the fall and then you started your third semester in January and then your fourth semester in radio is a practical. That's right. So, you know, in the third semester we're starting, it's in January and there was a guy who was in the final year and he had been doing on-site producing because John would do his show back at Northlands racetrack. Mm -hmm. And I love John, but he was like technically inept. Right. And he would joke about it. He's like, dude, I barely plug in a printer. Right. So you, your job was to be on site, get there early. And back then it was just the early days of the internet. Right. So they had a CP and you could go on and get like all the stories. There weren't like tons, like there was no TSN.ca right. yeah. and none of these sites. So that had all the feeds and then you would print off relevant stories. I would go through and find what's John want. And John of course was interested in all sports as was I. So mm -hmm. it was great. I'd look at stories. Here's the game resume print, printing it all out. That was the only way to do it. I print it out, kind of stack it up for him, label it, whatever sport you were. And uh, I was only supposed to work on Oilers home nights because Rob Kerr was his regular guy. And then Rob was go started to go to the room. So they needed someone. And then Rob would come back at around 1030. And then he, he would just mm -hmm. kind of co-host with John and I would be, stick with him till the end. And then, so I started in February. And I was like, oh, this is great. Like, cause I remember John interviewed me and all he did was ask me sports questions. Like this is the greatest sports interview <laughs> of my life. Like I'm very comfortable. It's all good. And I used to call John show. And so I was like, yeah, yeah. And like, and he remembered me cause you know, Jay's from new Sarepta and whatever. So that was kind of cool. And then I started and then Rob got really sick for a month. So I was in school and then I had to work every night. For, wow. I, and of course I didn't say no, no because I was like, and I actually didn't paid. So that was a bonus, but it was just the experience. And then one of our guests didn't show up. And so John, you know, just asked me a question. So I went on air and I answered to him and he kind of liked it. So we bantered back and I'm like, I'm talking to John Short on the radio. Like, <laughs> wow, this is unreal. And then just after that, he was like, Hey Jason, that was really good. So we just continued it. And then every night he would give me a segment. And then sometimes it would be two segments depending on the night and, you know, would ask me different opinions and stuff. So obviously I'm coming in, I'm studying, you know, during the day as much as I can, knowing as much as I can about everything. Mm -hmm. And and then I had a practicum or supposed to be a Ched and John was like, he found out, he's like, well, why aren't you doing it with me? And at the time, John was at oldies 1260 yep. and he was buying his airtime from nine to midnight. So I didn't even think it was possible. Like, I'm like, well, there's really not a program director to sign off on it, but it's just John, he runs right. the show. So I'm like, well, yeah, I'll do this. Like for sure. I'm like, what can I do? He goes, whatever you want. So I started with him and I'm like, well, I don't want to start my practicum right now. I don't want to wait till September. Like, let's just get it done in the summer. So I'm done. And then mm. if I have to go work, like I was fully expecting to go to a small town, like you usually do. Like everybody did. Yeah. And so I did my practicum and I got to be like, a. I was producing a show, setting up all the guests. And then I got to, I told him, I said, well, I want to go cover the Eskimos. So I would go to Eskimos practice every day. 
And uh, then I would do a, a report, like three minutes that he would run on the show. Right. But then I would set up guests with him. And then I got to cover the Eskimos. And then, you know, the next year they started his internet company, mm -hmm. anysportanytime.com. And I got to do play-by-play -play for junior football and junior A hockey and many other things. And it just kind of went from there. I never had to leave. And it was, you know, it was like it was in a small market in essence, because I wasn't on all the time hosting. But then sure. I got my first show was the Gridiron Show, which was a, a half an hour show once a week talking just football. And I would bring a different Eskimo player on and we would talk about life, not really about football. Right. And then that gravitated. And then I, I started my first show in uh, 2003. So basically two years out, I was hosting my own show from 11 p.m. till midnight on CJCA. Mm -hmm. It was a Christian station, then sports. Not the ideal fit, but you know what? At that point, that was like a small market. You were starting You're on somewhere. a Christian yeah. station, but I was in, and because my show started at 11, I got to go to every order game. Yeah. And then I would do, I would go in the room and I could get back to the station in time to host my show, right? And so it was an unbelievable learning experience. And then, um, you know, that ended, uh, and you know, got my first time I was ever fired, uh, you know, which was fine. Like, yeah. like they fired me on a Wednesday and I still had to work till Friday. Like yeah, that was the, that's yeah, the dumbest thing so ever. So hilarious. But, um, so D Will Fraser and I, our last show, we didn't tell anybody cause you know, it, but all of our songs that we played out of breaks were all like, I'm leaving goodbye. <laughs> right. So a few people caught on by yeah. the end of the show. And then, uh, then I went to a uh, team 1260 at the time and in 2004 and I worked with John in a group. And so we bought airtime mm -hmm. and I was 11 PM till one and John was nine to, to midnight or sorry, nine to 11. And then in March 1st of 2005, I'd, I talked to John and I was starting to get decent at sales enough where, but I was, it was all going into the pot. And I was like, well, I'm not making enough money here. Right. Like I got to survive at some point. So I just said, John, you don't need to take care of me. You know, I'm 31 years age or 30. I don't know how old that is. Two, oh no, I guess 30, 32. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know what? I just got to try it on my own. And I went to the station manager, Carl Stark and Marty Forbes. Mm -hmm. And I said, Hey guys, like I want to buy my show. Like John, you know, can we have an agreement? They're like, yeah, hundred percent. And so then I started my company in uh, March 1st of 2005 and did that for a year. And then I moved uh, to nine to midnight for a few years. And then I've been in the drive show since 2008 and it's been uh, much better. I've learned a lot. I never, I didn't know any business background. Like basically started with an Excel spreadsheet and said, here's what I got coming in. This is what I got going out. I got to figure it out. It's, it's, but it's, uh, it's so unique. I mean, you know, you go to broadcasting school and you're taught that you're going to go and apply for a job and you're going to go and apply for this job. And you kind of broke a new mold with it of, of buying your airtime. And, and that's not easy. I I've done that. We did that with the pipeline show. I've tried to do that with other shows. It's, if you're not great at sales, it's, it's really hard. What do you think? Like, uh, did, was there ever a time where you're like, geez, I might not be good at this. And what do you think turned around? Because you're so successful at it now. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. My parents, I remember my, my late father, um, he, he told me something once he goes, Hey, and I know it's a saying that probably a lot of people have heard, but he's mm -hmm. just like, you know, everybody puts their pants on one leg at a time. And he says, don't, don't ever be respect people. Don't be intimidated by them that they're better than you. And so that really helped me because I was older when I went in the locker rooms, I was never intimidated like, Oh geez, this is an Eskimo or an oiler. I was just like, they're just people. Mm -hmm. And I think that helped me, um, you know, gain, cause you got to garner trust in sure. relationships. But from a business standpoint, I was too naive. It's kind of funny when they talk about, you know, like rookie hockey players are like, well, yeah, they're too naive to know that whatever. And I, and I think that was the case for me. Like Bob Suter was a guy who I went on some sales calls with, with John, when I had to do some sales with them. So I got to learn sure. a little bit of it, but a lot of my sales was like, I still don't think I'm a great salesman. 
And I just try to be straightforward and honest and say, Hey, this is what I like. I have a very simple sales sheet. It's probably too simplistic to be honest, but it works for me. And it, you know, it, there is a benefit for sure when you're the host of the show and people sure. know it. So that helps and you get to talk to, to the right people. But you know, like I, I've made some mistakes in sales for sure. And, you know, lost a few clients cause just, you know, not servicing the client as well as I should have. So mm -hmm. that was a real big learning thing. But the best advice, the best thing I got from John was I learned, and I actually learned some things from him on how to not conduct business because he told me himself that the mistakes he made was he didn't separate business from, from personal relationships. Friendships, yeah. And so he had some people that would kind of take advantage of him. They'd sign contracts and never pay. Yeah. I've had that too. And I was yeah. just like, oof. With a friend, yeah. So I, that was the one thing, like I made contracts because John had verbal contracts. So I made a lot yeah. of, now I still have some verbal ones with guys who've been on my show for 10 sure, years. Yeah. So it's different. But at first I was like, I'm like, geez, I don't even know what a contract looks like. So I had one of my buddies who has, who was an MBA. So he made me a contract mm -hmm. and then we kind of started to go from there. So it's, it's been fascinating to learn a lot of different business stuff because radio has allowed me to go with orders nation. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm one of the owners of nation network and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, dabble in, you know, doodle noodle and different things like that. So it's really opened my eyes to things that I never thought possible. And, um, I, I really like it because I get to learn, like I get bored pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. So this way, like my show is different every day and I've got some business partners and Jay and Clark that I learn a lot from that they sure. know way more than me. So you try to want to surround yourself with people who know more than you in some aspects, and then that can help you learn more. Uh, broadcasting in the industry has changed so much as far as, you know, we talked about, you know, when you started, it was calls. Um, and then the emails a little bit and, and now texts, uh, that, that come in and, and Twitter. Um, and, and with that, uh, comes assholes and people that are, uh, you know, the amount of times I had people say to me, go kill yourself on, on a text message. And I'm like, after me talking about my mental health issues, Oof. it's like, it's like, what, why are people like this? Um, how do you deal with it? Cause listen, you get a lot of texts. I'm, I don't know if anybody's told you to go kill yourself, but like, have you, have you changed in how you deal yeah. with that yeah. that person, that that kind of texter? I'm I like a good debate. Anyone yeah. who knows me knows that. So yeah, you know, I would debate a lot with uh, with trolls. I, I don't do it anymore. Um, I, but I there's certain things. Um, somebody mentioned my wife once. Yeah, and and in hindsight, I should have done it, but I called the person. Right, mm -hmm. and, you know, from a private number, and they answered. And you know, I said a few things and I said, I know your number. I said, you want to, you want to take shots of me? Take it all mm -hmm. day. You ever mentioned my wife? We got a real problem. Right. Never happened again. Now that wasn't the best thing. Um, Study did that once too. Yeah, he said, and, I, and I've done some investigative journalism from somebody. Cause there was this guy who was just and I had Meg work for me. So I had, you'd be sadly, you, you know, cause I had, and I was very proud. I hired a, a female. Mm -hmm. I wanted a female. Meg was really good. And then I had uh, Alison Curry mm -hmm. uh, after that. And, you know, I've still been looking for a great, there's just not many in it, but mm -hmm. you know, like if there was, let me know. And like, I would definitely look to get him involved. Cause I think they have a really good insight, but there is what guys would say to Meg, right. Or about mm -hmm. her on our text line. And I would, then I was like, big brother, you know how it is. You're just yeah. like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Right. And so there was this one guy who turned out he was coaching a Bantam double A team in town because you know, um, we, his number, if you put it into the search engine, his right. number came up with his name because his name was on the team's website, his mm -hmm. number. And I was just like, Oh yeah. So his emails there. So I even said, Hey, we have all your texts. We have this. I said, if you ever text anything like that again, I'll make sure that every parent on your team, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to be like, here's what your coach says mm -hmm. to a female. Yeah. Never heard a text from him again. Right now, 
Part of me was like, maybe I should have done more and told all the parents, but I'm like, nah, I don't really need to be a rat. I maybe think he changed. Hopefully, because he's you're living in fear a little bit then. Yeah. Because it was easy to track him down, right? And but for the most part, now like when when someone's like, hey, hey if you can disagree with me all day long, sure. that's awesome. You could just you know? do it respectfully, yeah. though, right? And, and sometimes, even if they want to go at you, I don't mind it, right? I kind of mm. like it sometimes because I learned in, in radio school the best advice I ever got from Ron Durda. Uh, he says, if everybody likes your show, Gregor, and you're an opinion show, then that's you don't right. have a good show. Well, the Howard Stern effect, right? More people listen to him that didn't like him because they wanted to see what he was going to do next. And, and that's just the yeah. people hated him, but listened to him because. Uh, they wanted to to do that. Uh, okay, farm life. I know uh, we talked a little bit about um, one timers. I had, I had Dusty Nielsen and uh, and did you guys ever sit and talk farm? Uh, you guys like well, you both grew up in farms. You know you don't see each other a whole lot probably. No, in the uh, day, the, but I talked once. I'm not sure if Nilly's necessarily like a. Uh, we're different type of farmers. Like okay. They, they lived on the trailer park. He told me. Okay. And uh, they had some farm land, but I don't, I don't know if he's ever birthed a cow or anything. Well, like he that. was big in 4-H. He said so. I don't know. Whoa, whoa, whoa! The Nilly he, man was he, showing cows. That I'll have no, to he talk won, about. He won a speech contest in 4-H. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So he wasn't showing the yeah. cows. Okay. But uh, listen, <laughs> I, when I grew up in Brandon, uh, like my dad grew up on a farm, and he would tell me stories, and I didn't. I didn't. I was like, I don't want to be on a farm now. Forty-four-year-old Dean would love to have a farm. <laughs> Farm, man. If I won the lottery, I'd buy a farm. Um, it's a lot of work and you're dependent on weather, but is, was it a life that you loved growing up? Yeah. Like, you know, it was funny because my father uh, and my, like my mom grew up on a farm. She's a, one of seven kids, uh, the only girl, she has six brothers and grew up on a farm up in Valley View, Crooked Creek. My dad grew up in Devon and in, in Edmonton. And uh, my dad grew up, uh, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty poor. And so when him and my mom got married and, and she really wanted to move to the farm, like my dad honestly kind of jokes, like he didn't know a horse from a cow. Yeah. And he went to the farm and he just taught himself a lot of stuff, like the mechanical stuff. And then, you know, and he was really good with that. Like my, my dad was never a scholar. He, he, they, my mom thought later that maybe dad, when he was younger, had a little bit of a learning disability. Okay. And so he was, he didn't have a lot of confidence in books, but man, he figured out everything at the farm. It was unbelievable. And the, the old uh, case dealership, a new Sarepta, my dad would call him and they were great because we didn't have a lot of money. So he couldn't and then he'd say and they would kind of help him talk him through we'll try this mm. and that and so he would figure it out eventually my mom's brothers would come to my dad for advice on their tractors awesome. like that was kind of like the, his big moment so i saw him and and like i loved animals from day one like and, and i like cows from from day one so i like that aspect of it and then my dad and i we worked at the farm he was really good in the tractor stuff i had no patience for that mm -hmm. i was really good at the cows he had no patience for that so we worked well together and then some days it was mount vesuvius between the two of us and <laughs> um but you know, I didn't really think of it as that's kind of all I knew and I loved. Like, so, mm. you know, Saturdays you got up and you worked, right? But, it, you know, whether it was, you know, cleaning pens or when slopping the pigs or whatever, that was just kind of, that needed to be done. Mm -hmm. So you didn't really have a choice. Uh, and I remember when I was older, my parents, you know, like they didn't really give me a curfew. It's like, you know, you're 16, you got a car. And so, yeah. you know, my curfew originally was midnight and then, you know, I've come in late a few times. And so finally my mom said, you don't have a curfew, but the rules are you get up at seven. That's right. So it's your choice. And trust me, like my parents, like I remember vividly my mom pouring a jug of water on my head because she called down three times. I didn't get yep. up and all right. And so your work, and because, you know, it wasn't drinking, 
but you're staying up till midnight. You're 16. Your body needs a lot of sleep. Yeah. And so now you're getting up at seven or seven 30. Well, you're bagged. Right. And so I'm working all day. And so eventually I learned it was like 10 o'clock. I'm like, I don't think I'm missing much here tonight or yeah. I'd stay home. And then, you know, eventually I didn't have to work every day or I'd work long hour with Saturday so I could go out Saturday night and then I have to work Sunday. Mm-hmm. Right. So you, you kind of adapt and learn things, but like I loved calving season that, you know, we didn't, we, we did haying for a long time, but for the last 20 years, ever since my father passed away, um, we, we had a neighbor who would do all our baling for us. Right. And then, you know, we, he would take a third of the bales. We would take two thirds and that's all we needed for our mm-hmm. cows. So I didn't have to live by the, the sword every year of that, but you know, my mom did have to live by like cattle prices. And, you know, the last years, thankfully that, you know, and we always got really good prices, but still like when you're hitting 98 cents a pound, yeah. it's tough to make a living. So it was more of a hobby farm ever for us. It was never like a, you know, we had, we had, what is it? 250 acres. So it's a decent size, but mm-hmm. by farm standards, it's small, sure. but it was, it was a great thing. And, you know, my mom's 75 now, and this is probably our last year of cows. We've had a conversation with her and it's like, I know for me, it'll be pretty emotional when yeah. I finally get rid of the cows, but that's okay. You know, life evolves. And, um, you know, I've, I've talked to a few people like, you know what? Hey, maybe I want to take five of my cows and put it on your land and rent it. It's close to, to St. Albert and on the, on the East side of Edmonton or West side, excuse me. And maybe I could, and then I could just go out there. Cause I like taking sure. my son right oh, out course, there. Like yeah. he was out this past weekend with me and he's just running on the bales and playing, just being outside Loving like for it, three yeah. hours. He's like, and he looks at the cows and he sees, you know, he wants to see kind of like, he's old enough now. I said like, maybe you'll see a calf being born this year. He's like, yeah, dad. I said, well, we have to sleep over at grandma's and he's never had a sleep over at grandma's yet. Oh. So now he's going to have a sleep over grandma's and, and he can also, uh, um, at the farm, Graham, I should say, he sleeps That's over right. at grandma's close, but he doesn't want to sleep at the farm yet because it's in the basement, right? There's no room upstairs, right. so he doesn't want to sleep in the basement. But now, because he can see a calf being born and usually got to stay over there because you got to get up early sure. to do it. So, you know, that's something I definitely wanted him to experience. And then, um, you know, cause even then out there, like he's picked rocks with me and right. Like he's, yeah. you know, he's kind of done some work. Like I get him to feed the cow's grain and he's p- carrying the pail and he's like, dad, it's too heavy. I'm like, no, you can carry it over here where you go. Right. And you just turn your back and he takes him five minutes, but he'll get he'll it there. Down, yeah. So I find that farm life just for me anyway, it, it taught me a work ethic and I think it, it's helped me in my life. I think so. I, I, th- I think it really does. I, I would go up like for two weeks to Northern Manitoba to a, a farm of our family and friends. And the space that we had, quads, we'd play all these baseball games. The only thing I didn't like was it was summer holidays and I was getting up at six in the morning <laughs> to go clean the pig crap. And yeah. the, the one day we went out to check the cows and uh, I got stuck and fell face first into all that manure. Ooh. And I bet you I showered for four days. Plus there was like well water. So it was yeah. just, a oh. city kid doesn't get used to that taste of that water, but I just love the space. And the and, softness and, of the water is yeah, unreal. That's true. Yeah. Right? To shower in. The, the, just the, the, the open space and the activities that, you know, I had a backyard, but yeah. it wasn't like a whole backfield where you had a baseball diamond almost well well last summer i took my son and his little buddy the neighbor guy who's five and they came out to the farm and now they're old enough like there's nothing they can get in trouble with so i just let them run and so when you're five and yeah. you get three acres of yeah. land they were in the barn and then they were running and walk and they were climbing the tractor there's no keys it's not going to start or yeah. anything but they're playing games and then they're then they're there's a sandbox and they're playing there and and, uh, and my, my neighbor, um, her son's not a real big talker. She says, well, he got home that day and she goes at dinner time, he's never talked like that before. He's telling all these stories. Awesome. And it was just like, he was like, mom, like 
it was so far I couldn't see like there was no other houses. And I think a lot of kids, they don't, it's just such a big, like four or five acres it's wide is open massive space, yeah. and they're just running and they're tired. And so, mm -hmm. you know, like though he'll be coming out this summer again, he like, he keeps asking about it. And so I think that's, that's something I wish every city kid would just get to experience for a week to, to live on a farm. Just not like the work is one thing, but just that much land and mm -hmm. it's just like wow like this is crazy because you go to a big park and it's awesome but it's just a different yeah. thing we we would have these like three hour long paintball games uh because you could hide yeah. so many places <laughs> okay let's wrap up with this we'll circle back to the oilers give me your prediction for the edmonton oilers the rest of the way what do you think happens well i said at the start of the year they would make the playoffs so i'm gonna, gonna stick with that and i think the oilers they will finish second you know, for whatever reason, somebody's going to finish first. I don't mm -hmm. even know who, but I think yours yeah, will finish second in the Pacific. Awesome. It's super tight. And, you know, I look at the matchups. I think they match up well against Arizona. I think they match up really well against Calgary, actually. Yeah. Um, Vancouver. The one matchup, because of experience, might be Vegas that, that isn't ideal, even though Vegas, I think, might have the weakest defense core in mm -hmm. the Pacific Division. But, you know, they got Fleury. He's got a ton of playoff experience. So I think Edmonton's going to win a round in the postseason this year. All right. Do you think that we will get a battle of Alberta playoff? Oh, like imagine that last game of the season, the greatest. game seven for that either team, how good that will be. I it mean, would be the greatest for the, for, for every generation of hockey fans in Alberta, because the young ones, the younger generations have never seen a no. real battle. Like I had so many younger people, even around the station, people like, now I know what you guys, when you talk about like intensity and like real animosity, they're like, like I wanted to kill Kachuk and I'm not <laughs> yeah. even playing. I'm like, that's what you want, right? Yeah. You want, so you despise them in a healthy manner, yeah. right? Like don't go and you know, like threaten them online or anything like yeah. that. Just enjoy like, and chirp your friends that are mm -hmm. Calgary fans and vice versa. Like, I think it would be great for both cities to have that. And ideally it'd be the best in the second round because sure. I do think both markets could use a victory, no question about it. So if they met in the second round, that would be off the charts. Because now, now you've had two weeks of it. Now it's just going to amp up and it would be great. But my gut tells me for whatever reason, I don't know why, maybe because, you know, I haven't seen a battle of Alberta since 91. Mm -hmm. I just, until I see one again, I, I can't predict it. I would love it, but I don't want to get my hopes up just for the intensity of that and for fun for a radio show, but fun for everybody. Cause I think it would yeah. really reignite like the, the rivalry's gotten back. And like, I remember I wrote the article and I thank Kachuk and Cassian, like, sure. and people are like, what do you thank Kachuk for? I'm like, because you have someone you hate if you're exactly. an order fan and if you're a flame fan, it's the same thing. And yeah. you're chirping him like, that's what it should be about. Like a real rivalry. And like, you know, like Toronto and Boston right now, like Toronto fans hate Boston, sure. but what if they beat them? Right, if they finally got to beat them, yeah. right? Or somehow At least Toronto had playoffs. Like, what about Toronto and Montreal could face in the playoffs mm -hmm. again? And so you, you need rivalries, and they're built in the playoffs for the most part, unless you have like the rare Kachuk casting type of thing. So, from that aspect, I would love it. I think it would be good for hockey. And, and trust me, Eastern hockey fans are going to watch good rivalries, sure. just like the West would watch a good. Like when Washington Pittsburgh looks like they're going to probably meet in the second mm -hmm. round if they, if they both win. I'll be watching that series for sure. Yeah, rivalries are the best, and they're built on playoffs. Gregs, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, best of luck always at uh, TSN 1262 until 6, Monday to Friday, and uh, everything else that you have going on in life. Congratulations. Man. Well, hey, Dino, thanks, man, and uh, great stuff with you doing with uh, Podcast Alley, and, uh, and keep it going.
This is the Sports and More podcast with Dean Millard. Got nothing to drink. How do you smile? No longer a child. That's the sweet sounds of. Sweet Bejesus with I Got Time. Kevin Dabbs, Christian Gutzis. Their debut album is Policeman's Creek, and it can be found on Apple Music. And big thanks to them. They are the official music of Sports and More, the podcast. All right, so before the interview with uh, Jason Greger, uh, we told you the hint for the Acme Meat Market Trivia Contest. A gift card from Acme Meat Market up for grabs. You can say hi to Corey, Amanda, their staff at the Ritchie Market in Edmonton at 9570 76th Avenue. Their website is acmemeatmarket.ca, and they've been around since 1921. Uh, here's the question. How many playoff rounds did Gregor predict uh, the Oilers to win this year? How many playoff rounds did Gregor predict the Oilers to win this year? Hit me up on any of our social media feeds on Twitter at Duck Millard, Sports and More Podcast on Instagram, Sports and More 35 on Facebook, or you can email me sportsandmorepod at gmail.com. And if you're right, you could be going home with a gift card from Acme Meat Market. All right, uh, before we sign off, we have to give you the Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports Poll Question. Uh, this is up on Twitter, at Duck Millard. You can have your vote. Will Ovechkin catch Gretzky in goals? I thought Gregor had a pretty compelling argument for why he will. When you break down the numbers, I mean, Alex Ovechkin, he can score 28 goals very easily in that final season. So do you think Ovi... Will catch Gretzky in goals. Your choices are hell yeah or no way. You can uh, vote on Twitter at Duck Millard. Uh, so far, uh, we've had uh, 73 votes and it's 54.8% in favor. Hell yeah to 45.2%. No way. So more people think he can do it. I, I thought I was definitely, I was a no way guy for a long time. Now I'm kind of in the middle. I don't think he's going to do it but I think he could come close. It's interesting when we were talking about Craig Lachlan men mentioning uh, he could be the uh, the last guy to get to 700 goals. Yeah, could be possible. Uh, anyway, uh, find out more details about uh, Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports at uffsports.com, and you can find out how to bid on one of only 31 franchises. Just a few left uh, available uh, for you to get into. And um, there, there could be C there will be CFL coming out as well. Uh, we're going to have uh, Tony from UFF Sports on the show in the next couple of weeks to explain a little bit more about what it is. But uh, looking forward to the CFL and you know baseball down the road. And there's so much that they have going right now. So check it out, uffsports.com. And I just want to say thank you very much to Jason Greger for dropping by Podcast Alley uh, for this episode. Um, I love everybody's backstory. I, I absolutely love digging into it. And that's what I love about these podcasts is I can not just talk 15 minutes about the Oilers with somebody. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please subscribe and leave us a review. It's very important uh, for us to find out how to make this show a lot better. 
And if you'd like to advertise on the show, please email me sports and more pod at gmail.com. That is sports and more pod at gmail.com. All right, that's going to wrap things up for us here on uh, Sports and More. Uh, We've got some great guests lined up in the next few weeks. Uh, Nabil Kareem of ESPN is scheduled to join me very shortly. I'm really excited about that possibility. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. Have a great week in sports. And just remember, playtime is over.